Greetings from Bristol, England. I'm sitting here in a hotel room, and welcome to the 150th episode. I cannot believe that I've actually made 150 of these things. <laughs> Never thought that it would get that far, but I'm glad that it has. I've been on the road now for almost 10 days over here in Europe. Flew into Oslo, uh, did a gig in Scarns, really nice gig there. Flew to Bergen, drove down to Oda, went across a ferry, and went through a whole bunch of tunnels. And played for some nice folks at Oda. Went outside of Oda with my buddy Rune Latrude, who was driving me around, and um, set up some of these gigs in Norway. And he drove me to a bunch of waterfalls, and we took some pictures. Posted some of those pictures on social media with the, what I thought was a clever little line saying I was blatantly disregarding Prince's advice and chasing waterfalls outside of Oda, Norway. Uh, all apologies to his royal badness. And then the people of the internet, as they often do, they brought to my attention that that was not a Prince song. I thought that it was. I knew it was TLC, but I thought that Prince wrote it. That shows what I know. It's a learning experience. That's how I learn. We had a good laugh about it, and I do not mind when somebody corrects me. But we went back up to Bergen, played for some nice folks, and then uh, I flew to Trondheim and had one of the best shows of the year, just a really, really great audience there. And um, there's a cathedral, I believe it's called Nicodarus or Nidaris, can't remember exact name. There's a big cathedral in the middle of Trondheim. It's the largest cathedral in all of Norway. On the top of the left tower there's a statue of Bob Dylan I guess in the 60s they were replacing some statue of a saint and the sculptor was a Dylan fan so he decided he would give that saint Bob Dylan's features one more reason to love Trondheim I flew back to Oslo had a really nice gig there met a lot of nice folks I walked around had my first off day I went to the National Gallery I saw a lot of Edvard Munch paintings, saw the scream, walked around, had a really good time in Oslo, and then flew to the Netherlands, went to Amsterdam, played a gig in Drachten for some nice folks, had a good time, played a gig in here, Arenskirk, I have no idea if I'm pronouncing that right, and I think I'm probably pronouncing it wrong. And then I flew here to Bristol, where I'm sitting out a storm right now in the hotel room, Got gigs coming up in Wales, all throughout England, and then head back to Belgium and back to the Netherlands, and then a, the tour ends in Spain about three weeks from now. So it feels great to be on the road and playing for people, and it feels great to finally make it to 150 episodes. friends, this is Otis Gibbs, and you're listening to Thanks for Giving a Damn. I'm sitting here in a hotel room in Bristol, England. This is a personal journal. This is a bit of an experiment. I like to say right up front that I haven't the slightest idea what I'm doing, but I decided to do it anyway. And this show was founded with the idea that there are only two people in art that matter, 
There's the creative individual and the person experiencing it. And everything else is an artificial filter. This is a way for me to share things with you guys without any filters whatsoever. I'm going to be flying solo today. I have a lot of things I'd like to talk about. I figure I would give a bit of a State of the Union type address at the 150th episode. I can honestly say that when I started this thing, there is no way in hell that I thought that I would make it to 150. The idea of making 50 of these seemed incredibly daunting. I remember seven or eight episodes in telling Amy, I cannot believe I've made eight of these things. You know, when we get up to 13, I say, I cannot believe I've made 13 of these. Because it just seemed like it was so much effort and so much work. It's so hard to find the time to do it that um, I thought that I would collapse under the weight of my own ambitions with the thing. So with all that in mind, thank you very, very much for for listening to this and uh, for enjoying this and for being out there and for saying nice things when we finally get to meet face to face. I hope you guys enjoy this State of the Union address. Here's episode 150. I get a lot of suggestions of things that I can do to to make this whole experience better. A lot of them don't make a lot of sense to me. Some of them sound like pretty good ideas. I'm just not sure how to implement them. One thing that no one has ever suggested, and I'm really surprised, it's something I've thought of quite a few times, is um, perhaps I could make some playlists on Spotify or Pandora or some of these streaming sites that would accompany episodes. It wouldn't work for every episode, but the idea would be when I have Lou Bradley on, you know, legendary engineer from the Quonset Hut. This is a man who was involved in just some of the greatest country music of our lifetime. I could make a playlist of songs that he recorded. You know, we talked about Behind Closed Doors in that episode, and we talked about He Stopped Loving Her Today in that episode. There's so many other legendary country songs that Lou Bradley recorded. I'm just saying that would be one playlist, and it might go very deep. It might not, but it would be very informative to the people listening. Another example might be you know, the Harlan Howard episode. You can make a playlist of songs written by Harlan Howard. Another example might be when I have Kenny Vaughn or Mike Bubb on. You know, he's great musicians, great session players who actually have wonderful stories, make a playlist of songs that they played on. You might be very, very surprised at some of the great music that they've been part of. It's just an idea that I'll throw out there right now, and um, feel free to give me some feedback on what you think. There's a lot of ways that it can make it happen. If it's a ton of work, it might not happen that much. Maybe it'll be easier than I think. I don't know. I think it would be a way to add value to the show, and that's something we can all get behind. Speaking of Spotify, I got this email at the end of last year from Spotify. They sent me a list of the five artists that I listened to more than any other over the course of 2016. It was actually pretty accurate. There's a lot of different ways that I listen to music, but I was surprised at how accurate this was. I figured I would lift a veil a little bit. I usually don't like to talk about what I listen to. I'm a very private person. 
But this seems like an easy way that I could let you guys know who I am. So, you know, I figured maybe I would talk about the things that I listened to most in 2016, just to give you an idea, you know, of what Otis's listening habits are like. I should start out by saying that the vast majority of what I listen to is pre-1950. And there is so much great music that's been made, so much stuff that's uh, buried, you know, in the dustbins of history. And I like to pull some of that out and learn from it and, and just enjoy it. So what I will do a lot of times is I will take, um, I'll get on Pandora and I'll create a station. So if I want to learn about cowboy artists, you know, the thirties or whatever, I might search for Gene Autry or Roy Rogers and create a station with that. And then there'll be things that I've heard before that will all come in. It's not too obscure, but then there'll be that one artist and you're like, that's interesting. I've never heard of them before. So I'll take that artist, set it aside, write it down, and I'll go to Spotify, and I'll listen to whatever I can find there. And you find some real gems that way. And then I will go back and create a station for this more obscure artist I've just discovered, and then see what pops up that's even more obscure than that on these stations. I wish there was a way that I could search by decade on Pandora, but that doesn't work that way. I realize that a lot of people, most people, don't want to go back and listen to this stuff like that, and I completely get that. But some of us are complete nerds, and we really enjoy that. I learned a long time ago that I live in a world that doesn't seem to value the things that I value. And that's all right. I made peace with it a long time ago. I like to joke that I'm like that Japanese soldier that was discovered on a desert island, you know, 20 years after the war ended and he doesn't realize the war is over and he does not realize that his side lost. I can relate to that person. So, so if some of this music uh, listening habits sound strange to you, I completely understand it and I get it. It's just music and it's just fun. According to Spotify, the album I listened to the fifth most last year was Scrapper Blackwell, Mr. Scrapper's Blues. And if you haven't heard this album, I strongly urge you to check it out. It's just a great, great acoustic blues album. Scrapper Blackwell's a guy that spent most of his life in Indianapolis and was largely unknown. Let's see, things that of note about him, he had a song called Kokomo Blues, which is on this album, that Robert Johnson switched the words around a little bit and turned it into Sweet Home Chicago, became a blues standard that everyone hates at, at this point and has heard too many times. But we won't blame that on Scrapper or Robert Johnson. And also, Eric Clapton covered a couple songs off of this album. Uh, I'm sure when you hear it, he did pretty good versions of it, just pretty much note for note. But uh, Scrapper Blackwell's versions are much better. His guitar playing is amazing on this album, just great fingerstyle blues guitar. And also, uh, Bob Dylan was quite the fan. You know, Dylan just straight up took some lines from uh, Little Girl Blues and turned it into It Takes a Lot to Laugh, It Takes a Train to Cry. When you're listening to this, you'll hear the lines. And there's a quote from Bob Dylan about Scrapper Blackwell. It says, There's a strong line in all our music that can be traced back directly to Scrapper Blackwell. He was a truly great musician who did deserve more than was ever given him. That's Bob Dylan. That's pretty good praise. But Scrapper Blackwell was uh, murdered in an alley in Indianapolis. It's still a 
unsolved murder. He ended up being buried in a cemetery out on Raymond Street, which I've gone and visited a couple times. He's buried next to his buddy Leroy Carr, who we recorded with quite a lot. Yank Rochelle, who's a great blues musician from Indianapolis, and the great Wes Montgomery, one of the great guitar players of all time. So he's in good company. The album I listened to fourth most often last year was The Girls of the Golden West, the Doxy Collection, which I believe is just a collection of 78s that were released in the 30s and 40s. And I really enjoyed this. It's a group of sisters. They were marketed as being from Texas, growing up on a ranch. They were actually from Chicago. Just to let you know that the music industry has lied to you for many, many, many years. and It's not a new thing. But um, I really, really enjoyed this a lot. It's actually got my favorite version of uh, the dying cowboy on the prairie that I've ever heard, which better known as Bury Me Not on the Lone Prairie. And um, I really like that version a lot with all apologies to Johnny Cash. It's my favorite. I listened to this quite a bit and wasn't paying much attention to the lyrics. This is embarrassing for me to say, but it's me being honest with you. Sometimes when you're listening to this old stuff, you hear some lyrics that you just really have a hard time getting past. And uh, that happened to me with this. I finally realized a couple different songs. These beautiful sisters, you know, a country music duo would just drop an N-bomb out of nowhere. And um, the first time I realized that's what I was listening to, it uh, threw me back a little bit. And So when I heard that, I kind of uh, I made it to where it would skip those songs so I wouldn't have to hear it. But I kept thinking about it, and after a while, it just kind of ruined it for me. So I stopped listening to this altogether. And... Um, just a little moment of honesty there with you guys. But I really did enjoy their music, and I realize it's from a different time and era. And um, But I don't live in that time, and I don't really need that in my life. So I've moved on from this. And number three is the Blue Sky Boys. It's a record called Turn Your Radio On, and it's a, another collection of 78s that were released these guys were two brothers from North Carolina, and man, they, their voices singing together is just wonderful. Remember Joe Bassard in the King of Record Collectors episode said that they were his favorites, and I agreed with him. They're not that obscure. They had a lot of hits in the 30s and 40s, and um, it's just really, really great. The best place I would say to start is a song called Sweet Allelee, and I swear if you like Gillian Welch and David Rawlings, you are probably going to love this because there's moments when they sound just like David and Gillian only 80 years earlier. But even if you're not a huge David and Gillian fan, I think you might dig this. This was a really influential duo. A lot of people that came after them that they influenced heavily. And when you hear them singing together, these two brothers, in some of these recordings, they're 16 or 17 years old and they just sound wonderful. It, but it's definitely worth listening to, and Lord knows I spent a lot of time last year listening to it. Number two is Glenn Orlin, O-H-R-L-I-N, A Cowboy's Life. Man, I really, really love this album. This is, uh, I don't know when it was recorded, but I'm going to guess 
in the 70s or 80s, maybe even 90s, not really sure. But um, it's wonderful. It's not very accessible. This is one of those I would say is not for everyone. It's a Glenn's a for real cowboy singer. And um, you can just hear all the decades and the work and all that in his voice. Not always singing on key, which uh, I've always said there's nothing more boring than perfect pitch. But I really, really enjoy this one. There's just something real about it that, that speaks to me. I think his version of Hellbound Train on this album, it's the last song in the album, is my favorite version of that ever. And I would recommend it to people who like Towns Van Zant. If you like songs of Towns is like The Hole or Marie, you probably would like this version of Hellbound Train. And um, there's those moments when Towns just, you know, just isn't the best singer in the world, but he's able to emote and carry the story in ways that a great singer maybe wouldn't be able to. I think of this album like that, so I highly recommend it, although I realize it's not for everybody, and that's fine. But it's a Glenn Orland, A Cowboy's Life. And the one album I listened to more than any other last year, which I'm not surprised by this because I absolutely love this album, it's Buck Ramsey, and the album's called Hitting the Trail. This is just a beautiful, beautiful album. He uh, has a great voice. It sounds a little like Willie Nelson, if Willie was a better singer. I'm thinking this was recorded live somewhere, because you can hear people talking in the background. Sounds like there's always somebody disrespectful at a gig. But uh, it's great. If you just want to listen to something, you know, just to skim over, try a Cowboy's Meditation. It's great. The Last Wagon is great. His version of Blue Mountain might be my favorite version of Blue Mountain that I've heard. A little bit about Buck Ramsey. He was a for real cowboy. He had a horse riding accident, and he ended up uh, paralyzed from the waist down and spent the rest of his life in a wheelchair. You know, he's a poet, and he would be at these cowboy gatherings, and uh, he actually had quite a bit of renown, but he should be a household name. He should be someone that everybody knows about. You know, I think there's so many people I've come across over the years that I, I think, man, this person should be a household name, or at least more people should know about it. When I listen to Buck Ramsey, I think of uh, the old hobo, Liberty Justice, who had this wonderful Merle Haggard voice. And I'd seen him you know, singing around campfire so many times, just a really great, great singer. You know, I'd buy cassettes from him and listen to it at home. You know, for some reason, his stuff isn't on Spotify. I don't think he ever had any kind of uh, notoriety whatsoever outside of hobo, hobo circles. But uh, there's so many people like that. So when I listen to, to Buck Ramsey, I think of people like Liberty Justice and, you know, the unnamed people that, that should be a household name. This is very accessible music, too. I think that most people finding out about this would, would dig it. If you dig Redheaded Stranger, you know, and you want to listen to that kind of thing, this is right up your alley. So I'm not surprised that it's the thing I listened to most last year. I guess uh, that's not a surprise to me because I get in a certain mood and I want to go out in the barn and paint, I'll put on some Buck Ramsey and, uh, and listen to it. So maybe I'll be able to turn you guys onto it too. I'm guessing a lot of you guys know a lot more about some of this stuff than I do. So maybe you'll turn me on to it. 
I'd like to do an episode someday about Buck Ramsey and about Glenn Orland uh, or Scrapper Blackwell. Maybe that'll happen sometime. So according to Spotify, those are the five things I listened to the most last year. When I started doing this show, I never, ever thought that I would get sent things from publicists. And uh, it happens every single day, which really surprises me. But um, someone will hire a publicist and spend a lot of money. We'll just say that they should be doing a lot more than contacting me. <laughs> but I'll get sent things from publicists. And uh, and it's always somebody who's you know really young and hasn't done much of anything. I think the younger folks are some of the least interesting people I can have on. There's uh, ex- there's exceptions to that, but for the most part, I'm most interested in hearing from somebody 70 years old who was in the room when something amazing happened. And uh, luckily, I've been able to have some of those folks, and it's beautiful when they come out of the woodwork. And sometimes, every now and then, just every now and then, a publicist actually pitches me one of these people. And it feels like manna from heaven. It's like, yes, I would love to have that person on. That's beautiful. That doesn't happen very often, though. I tried to explain to publicists that, you know, the listeners are not listening to this to hear someone come on and promote their new record and to go down a list of talking points of uh, the story surrounding the record. I think most people are tired of that. I know I am. I don't like that sort of thing and never really did. I don't want to be hyped about something. What I am interested in is hearing from someone who was there when something amazing went down. I want to hear about history. I want to hear about anthropology. I want to learn what it was like, you know, this particular group, these subcultures, these music subcultures, you know, or just this figure that I've always heard about but didn't know behind the scenes stories or whatever. I like that kind of thing. I realize that doesn't work for most publicists because they're trying to sell their. 22-year-old artists' records who, you know, through no fault of their own, have not lived much yet. So the perfect guest on this show is some road-weary 70-year-old who uh, just happened to be in the room when it all went down. And luckily for all of us, every now and then, I'm able to get that person on. Here's to more of that. After about a year of doing this show, I got contacted by some different people that wanted to advertise on the show. And I won't say who they are, but you know who they were. It's the same people you hear advertising on every other show you listen to. I just didn't feel right about it. And um, I wasn't completely opposed to it at the time. It just didn't feel like it was the right thing. So I didn't do it. I'm very happy I didn't do that. I think the whole experience is a much better experience without those ads in there. Having said that, I've had a few curveballs thrown at me that I didn't expect to see coming. And um, one of those was I was contacted by some people at Ear Trumpet Labs. They said they were just a mom-and-pop microphone manufacturer in Oregon. And uh, they sit around and they make these microphones, handmade mics, while they listen to my show. And uh, they said, we'd like to send you a mic, and we're not expecting anything at all in return. You know, We'd just like you to have one. And I thought, well, that's cool, man. That's really nice. So they sent me this microphone. It's called a Myrtle. It's a condenser mic. 
And I didn't know what to expect. So I Googled around. I didn't know anything about about their uh, microphones. And then I saw people like Jerry Douglas and Sam Bush and Sean Camp using it. It actually turned out to be a great mic. I, I've recorded quite a lot with it. I'm not a big fan of condenser mics because the condenser mics that I can afford have this heightened high end. And if you end up using just a couple different tracks with condenser mics on the recording, it just has this really bad quality. Uh, but this was way better than that. It was a, a very natural sounding, maybe even a little dark. I'm a big fan of ribbon and dynamic microphones. So, you know, I, I like that sound. And this actually comes into that world really, really well. This sounds like a much more expensive microphone. And uh, so I used it on my Sputnik Monroe video where I tried to place it prominently just as a way to say thank you to them. And I just figured I'd mention it here to say thank you to them. It's beautiful that they gave it to me. They were not expecting this. I'm hoping that this is a nice surprise to them uh, if they're listening while they're building those microphones. But it got me thinking. You know, I get contacted by people who are luthiers and uh, guitar builders, just a lot of different people. You know, hey, maybe we can work something out. Send me something. You know, I don't know how to say it other than that, but, um, you know, maybe we can uh, work something out with each other. I have a bunch of old guitars that need some luthier work. Hell, I've never had a string endorsement. I've never uh, really had endorsements of things like that. It's never been something I've looked for. Maybe there's some organic way that we can build a relationship that goes beyond what we already have. You know, if there's a band out there and you have a great T-shirt and you'd like to send me one, I'll take free T-shirts. I love T-shirts. I like black, extra large. Amy likes whatever color and men's mediums. You know, just send it to Otis Gibbs at P.O. Box 60252, East Nashville, Tennessee, 37206. Why not? You know, I never thought about it. Amy laughed at me when I said, hey, I might as well ask people if they want to send me something. You know, just send me a postcard of, uh, you know, where you at. Maybe a picture of how you listen to the show. I'd enjoy that. I might put it up out in my barn where I hang out and write and you know, or sometimes put this show together. It'd be nice to see that and uh, be another way. But if, like I said, if you have, <laughs> if somebody wants to send me something for free, why should I say no? Who knows what it might lead to down the road? And, uh, once again, thank you to the folks at Ear Trumpet Labs for that wonderful microphone. I really, really do appreciate it. And it's gotten a lot of great use. I realize there are some of you who have listened to every single episode. And man, I appreciate that. I hope you have enjoyed it. I'm sure there are some you've enjoyed more than others. I hope that you get more of what you actually enjoy about this show and less of what you don't enjoy. But I appreciate you being there. It feels great when I'm on the other side of the world and somebody comes up to me at a show and says that they you know, dig the, dig the show and tell me about how they listen to it. They tell me about some episode and a story that I'd forgotten, you know, but they remember it. That's beautiful. That happens to me in Zurich. That happens to me in Glasgow. That happens to me, you know, in Louisville, Kentucky. It's just a beautiful thing. And uh, I love how small the world has gotten these days. The Internet makes uh, a lot of things better, and I appreciate that. 
there's people I've had on this show that I didn't know at all that we've become friends and I spent a lot of time with them. That's a beautiful thing. And one of the my favorite parts about doing this show is when I'm sitting and editing it for eight or ten hours straight, <laughs> I will hear some of the things that people are saying to me. And sometimes it is so funny. I'll sit there with a smile on my face or I'll laugh out loud as I'm editing all of this together. And it just brings a lot of joy to me in that way. The best episodes, you know, the ones that I enjoy most are some of those that I just sit there and laugh to myself. And that's a very valuable thing in life. We need more of that. But I'm going to continue doing this. The original idea, which I've said before, was supposed to be 50 episodes in 50 weeks, just once a week. Then I would decide whether I wanted to do it or not. We'll just say that after doing 100 episodes in the first two years, that was pretty rough, and I just could not keep up with it. And I was thinking seriously about not doing the show anymore just because I couldn't keep up with it, and I was worried that the quality would not be as good, that I would just simply start phoning it in. And uh, so I decided I would do it, try to do it every couple weeks or whenever it happens. That's actually been a really good thing for me. I think the quality's better than it's ever been. I think I feel better about the guests that I've been getting, the things we talk about, the quality of the program. I'm the wrong person to say these things, but at least I feel that way. I feel very good about it. So I'm going to keep doing it, and um, I'm going to aim at every couple weeks. I'll put up a new show. Sometimes it'll be more often than that. Sometimes it'll be you know once a week. Sometimes you know it'll take longer than that. Like right now when I'm on the road, it's a very very hard time to get it all together and to put it together but like i said i've enjoyed it very much i appreciate you guys listening in and i guess i'll leave you with a idea i always ask you to go to itunes and leave a comment or a you know five-star review you guys were great about that early on and then it's just kind of slacked off i'm not sure how many are on there right now there's probably two or three hundred I bet you we could double that in a week if you got there's the numbers of the people who listen to the show are so high that is a tiny tiny fraction of the people if you guys went and did that I bet you we would run up the uh, charts on the iTunes thing and maybe a whole lot more people would find out about this I'd like to thank everybody for listening in, and I'd like to thank everybody for listening to the 150th episode coming to you straight from a hotel room in Bristol, England. If you'd like to help support this show, just go to otisgibbs.com and you can pick up a CD, a t-shirt, you can download any record I've ever made, you can buy one of my photographic prints, you can buy one of Amy's records, you can buy one of Amy's children's books. But anything that you buy, we'll mail from our living room to yours, and we'll even put in a little thank you note. If you'd like to help out but you're a little short on cash, just go to iTunes and leave us a five-star review. Leave a comment. Subscribe, and you'll get a brand new episode free as soon as it's available. But if you enjoy this show, or you enjoy my music, or you enjoy Amy's music, please take the time to tell a friend and help us spread the word. And if you'd like to send us a message, we'd love to hear from you. Just send it to info at otisgibbs.com. I'm Otis Gibbs. 
thanks for giving a damn.